Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of the Start the Beat podcast with Sykes. I am Sykes, and this is my podcast. Before we get started, just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Ashley. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go check it the fuck out. But if you are one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and I'm happy you decided to come back. If you are new to the show, though, I'm happy you're here, too. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. As always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. My friend Christmas is on the show today, and this is going to be awesome. Unlike a lot of the people who I've been talking to on here, I've actually known Christmas for a while, and we've already had quite a few relatively well-grounded conversations about life and shit that probably should have been recorded. Unfortunately, they were not, so what you're going to get here over the next hour is going to be a lovely mixed bag about bad teenage haircuts, Chicago, Taco Bell, Juggalos, Ringworm, Retail Life, Awkward Fetishes, and, you know, obviously trying to stay positive and productive as a reasonably mature adult in a world full of so much chaos, like I just mentioned. <laughs> you know, it's it's going to be a bumpy ride, but I think we can handle it. So, everybody together, let's just sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! So as you know, I don't have any four minutes of this. Yep. Just kind of start. <laughs> Whenever the conversation gets good is kind of where I start. So I probably should have started recording this five <laughs> minutes ago. But hey, let's go with this. Okay, so I haven't seen you in like... Like six months. In like half a year. Uh-huh. It's been, you know, five minutes and I'm already making you do something for me. <laughs> I like it. I like I like when you ask me to do things and you're you're one of the few people that uh, no matter what, if you're like, hey, I really need your help with this or this, I know that you actually want my help and not just anyone's help. So I always Sure. And I, I feel like it's a mutual thing that I don't ask you to do a lot of things, but when, when I do you're like, Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your hair looks different. Yeah. What happened? Uh, I was at <laughs> work happened? the other day. Well, I'm 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 at a point in a lady's life where uh, the gray hairs are coming so quickly that I can't keep up with ripping them out. Mm. So are you stressed? The, uh, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Your hair matches um, your tattoos. Sorry, I keep cutting. It you matches off. my soul. Yeah. yeah. Purple. It matches black I black and blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have this pair of Pumas that are purple and red, and I'm wearing purple and red. So I looked in the mirror. I was like, I'm starting to dress like my footwear. It's very. It's a thing, but, but but my hair is going gray so quickly. And I was at work the other day, and I was talking to my staff, and I was like, "Oh, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna dye my hair." And I've never dyed my hair; I've never highlighted it or anything. And um, they're like, "What color are you gonna do it?" And right off the bat, I was like, "Purple." And then once I said it, I felt like it was kind of set in stone. Because <laughs> You're obligated to do it. Yeah. You never dyed your hair before. No, never. Like through all of your like punk rock, angsty adolescence. I've had a lot of bad haircuts, but I've okay. never. <laughs> okay. I actually have a picture of me with a, like a bowl cut hung up in the office at work. And it just says, who cut your hair? Helen Keller. 
that was a rough time in my life. I was like a really fat high schooler with a really bad haircut. Ugh. It's okay. The days. Me too. <laughs> at one point in time. We might have had the same haircut. It's we, very possible. We probably did have the same. Well, I've seen videos of you and you have that little bowl cut and I think it was really similar. Yeah, we should compare high school photos <laughs> and see what happens. How's Chicago? It's okay. I think I'm finally transitioned where I don't feel... I don't feel a sense of overwhelming anxiety every day when I wake up, like, oh my god, what am I going to do? Am I going to make it to work on time? Am I going to have friends ever in this town? The, mm, yes. The transition was a little rough. Um, I moved hair's out there. Hair's got gray. My hair's got very gray. <laughs> There's, like, a series of ridiculous events. I moved my mom out there and my mom's yeah. caretaker. So I went from living in Carnegie, where I was paying two fifty for rent, to living in Chicago where I'm paying seven eighty and I'm covering all of the bills hundred percent and my mom's stuff too. So it was That's it was a little different. Pretty stressful. So my disposable income is like zero at this point and I'm really used to being able to say, oh, well, I'm going to go, I think I'm just going to fly to Boston this weekend and go hang out for a weekend. I, I really have to plan for things, and I'm trying to plan a trip to Australia, so I've, I've been saving like a madwoman for that. You know they have um, spiders there that are like this big. That's bigger than me. Yeah. That'll eat me. Don't get eaten <laughs> by a spider if you go to Australia. I'm an American. I probably taste delicious with all the processed food I eat. Oh, yeah, all those chemically induced hormones and mm. whatnots. Yeah, that's my favorite. Taco Bell is my favorite. Have you had Taco Bell breakfast yet? I did, actually. On Thursday, I was I was working in another store, that I, another location I don't normally work at. And uh, I was driving. I'm training someone, so I'm driving my trainee, and it's like an hour and a half drive to the store. And I'm like, oh my god, it's fucking stupid. We're gonna be late. I'm like, we have to. Like, we have. To, I, we are gonna stop at the Panera in the mall and have breakfast. There. I'm like, we're not gonna have time. We're gonna have to drive through and eat. I was like, oh my god, there's a Taco Bell, and it says the drive throughs open, so we rip in there, and I ate a, uh, a breakfast crunch wrap, and it was pretty good, but okay. I, I did shit like three times that day, and I, I feel like the Taco Bell may you have shit had something more than to you do ate? I shit way more than I <laughs> ate. <laughs> I wish that was the case all the time. It might make me a little, little thinner in the middle. Possibly. I, I don't know. I haven't had the Taco Bell breakfast. I yeah. Do they have any in Pittsburgh? Yeah. There's Taco yeah. Bells here. I work right by one. Oh. In the north side. How are things going at the your, at the printing company, right? Yes. I Where I work, I work for Get Hip. It's a record label and album distributor. Mm-hmm. But we do screen print there. And it's a lot easier for me to tell people that I screen print than telling people that I work for this record label, album distributor, screen printing place, blah, 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 blah. But it's things like, that are fine. Things are good. It's like an entertainment umbrella. Company. Somewhat. I mean, it's just like we print shirts and do things for the bands that are on the label. Yeah. So it's so, all in-house. Yeah, yeah. Pretty That's much nice. everything is all in-house. Um, Somebody, one of my coworkers, he sent me a text and he was like, hey, I think it's really fishy that you're you're going to Pittsburgh, in quotes, the same weekend as the Gathering the Juggalos. Is that a thing? Is that this weekend? Because <laughs> I thought that was in July. I feel like I would know when that is. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Oh, you're asking me if the gathering is this weekend? Yes. I have no idea. Should we Google it? I don't know. You know when it is. I don't know when it is, <laughs> but I do know that Yellow Wolf is playing, and I would like to see Yellow Wolf. That's a weird thing for that festival. Who? Somebody else is there. There is a... I think Biohazard's playing. That's funny. That's less uh, of a stretch. Uh, 
there was another another artist. Josh was just talking about this a couple days ago. Have you seen the commercial yet? No. You know how they do the 30-minute commercial every year, and then SNL rips it off every year and makes fun of it? No. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I haven't watched the commercial yet this year, but um, The Gathering is some kind of experience. I wish I could go again. It was a blast. It was unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. I would go. Basically, they get every wrestler that's still alive from the 80s, they come and wrestle, and then every rap artist from the 90s that's still alive comes. So I got to see ODB's last performance ever, which is at the Gathering of the Juggalos. Ice Cube was there one year, and it was, it's fun. It's such a weird thing. And no one fights. You would think in a, in a crowd of that many people who are more likely than not have some sort of behavioral issue or like social issue you would think that there would be more violence but no one ever fights everybody's just doing drugs and hanging out and <laughs> i feel like uh yeah i think that like if you're like down with the clown and there's somebody else that's also down <laughs> you know all you need is like a whoop whoop and like your best friends <laughs> they're very it's a very very tight community of people and uh the juggalo community gets a lot of uh flack which I understand. I but understand it, it. I also think that, I don't know, it's always nice to have a community of people to be like friends and hang out. Yeah, and it's... It's like a social club. It is like a social club, but it's a better social club than, like, say, like, the social club of people that go to, like, a warp tour that are all just, like... In it for themselves. Jaded weirdos yeah. that are just like, you don't want to be in, you don't have any friends. Well, why are you, like... <laughs> Stop listening to such sad music and talk to some people and, you know, loosen up a bit. I wouldn't do that. Nobody likes me. But I the Juggalo community is all, it's very uh, abrasive in your face. But it's funny. It's all, it's all a parody of itself. And I feel like they, by they, I mean the omnipotent they, the Violent J and Shaggy of ICP. I, I feel like they know that and they understand it. And I think that they have one of the most flawless business models Absolutely. Ever. The problem that does occur, though, is that you do... I mean, this probably happens with any social scene. There's always extremists. Yes. You get the people (laughs) that don't get that. There are people who do take it seriously. Some people that might be a little bit too down with the clown. (laughs) And that's that's where problems can happen. But I mean... They're not reading between the lines enough. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the same thing with, you know, people that listen to some black metal album too seriously and try to burn a church down yeah it's just like you're you're taking it too far i think that uh my dream job would be to do pr for psychopathic records (laughs) because i feel like i understand the juggalo community but i'm also still very much a normie and i feel like i could convey that message a little bit better than somebody yelling what up my ninjas and flashing their tits what do you think about that? Should I add that to my resume? You should try. But then I'd have to live in Detroit, and I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I don't want to be in Detroit for a minute. I um, <laughs> Transitioning, I read something that the directive from the fire marshal of Detroit is if there's a building burning and it's not going to affect any surrounding structures, that they're, the directive is to just let it burn. I'm not surprised. Because they're trying to, like wipe everything out there there's like thirty thousand buildings that are abandoned in that city right now and they're trying to level them because they think it's gonna affect their crime detroit is really weird did i ever tell you about the time me josh and trevor 
Mm-mm. wound up in Detroit. No. Because Josh was supposed to meet up with some girl. Shut up. Yeah. Oh my I ho- god. I hope I hope Josh or Trevor hears this because it's a <laughs> we. All right, so this is this was the game. I love plan. them so much. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> this was the game plan, right? Okay, so I was like, "Hey, let's go to Ann Arbor and hang out. You know, a place where there's things to do and it's fun." I love fun. Ann Arbor. <laughs> I love Ann Arbor. So we go to Ann Arbor, and before we go, Josh, had, I guess, was talking to some girl that he had met somewhere that wasn't in person, and. Uh, <laughs> He, this girl lived in Detroit, so he was like, the plan was we were going to spend a day in Ann Arbor, this girl from Detroit was going to come and pick us up, then we were going to hang out in Detroit for, like, the next day or two or whatever, and mm-hmm. then go home. Cool! So, the first night this girl's supposed to pick us up, she, like, blows us off, can't do it for some reason, and then it happens again, now that, this is, like, a really long story, I'm not going to, because we didn't have anywhere to stay in Ann Arbor. Oh. But, like, Josh, like, sweet-talked some barista into letting us stay at her place that we had just met. Of course he did. Yeah. (laughs) A whole nother story. Anyways, we finally wound up in Detroit to meet up with this girl because we took the train there. Because we had to go to Detroit because our bus tickets back were from Detroit, not from Ann Arbor. Because we planned on being there. So, we finally get to the Amtrak station in Detroit. And it's just, like, on black, looks like, it was just, like, those, uh, letters that, um, they're, like, sticker letters that, like, you put on, like, a poster for, like, a school project. Yeah. On the wall, it's just, like, welcome to Detroit. And those letters, (laughs) I took a picture by it. I don't have time to find it, but it's, and then we had to walk for, like, like, a half hour into wherever to, like, finally meet up with this girl, and it was just misery. There was nothing. We walked past one person. During our whole trip. We were like downtown too. And it was like this weird, like, might not have been homeless, but, you know, just not very well put together. Questionable questionable guy that like walked past us and looked at Josh and was like, I like your skinny jeans. And kept walking. (laughs) That was my one interaction with a Detroit native. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not surprised that they're just letting buildings burn down. It's just sad place it's and what do you what do you do about rebuilding that kind of thing because there's such a big i feel like there aren't jobs there so people aren't moving into detroit so how are you finding new revenue to build your city yeah i don't know how about you and retail life because it's always i always forget that that's what you do yeah it's like i don't think about it because you're so like I know you from just like music and creative things and all this other stuff, but it's, it's like... I know I've been uh, I've been with that company about nine years. It'd be nine years. Um, oh, uh, last week, nine years last week, I've been with them. Yeah, yay! This is what a bachelor's degree gets you, kids. <laughs> yay! You get a job in retail. Woo. No, I really, I really love the company, and that's what has kept me there so long. And it's the company itself is going through such a rapid expansion that they're really, the resources are very thin. We don't, the, the company doesn't take uh, loans out to build new stores. They run, they build stores based on the profits of other stores. Okay. So in order to close, um, I guess the gap between what we owe and um, whatever, they, they're like cutting hours in the, in store. So we physically don't have enough people to run the store and customer service and watch our shrink and do all this stuff. Plus, the location I'm working at 
is about 26 miles from my house. I live in, in basically downtown Chicago and I work in the southern suburbs. So my commute in the mornings is roughly about an hour and a half. So that's like a little miserable. Ugh. Traffic in Chicago is unlike anything. It's crazy. It takes it takes you a half an hour to get three miles. Jeez. It's disgusting. Everybody's trying to go see that bean. <laughs> 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 the only bean I'm trying to see is the one between my knees. And I haven't seen that shit in five years. But I do I do like it. Our customers are in my location especially are the most challenging out of any any store I've worked at. How so? We have a mix between uh, ratchets, like insane ratchet people, and uh, Muslim princesses. (laughs) Those are the people I deal with every day. Like we had, this happened the other day. Everybody needs basics. My Oh my God. There's a woman, and I was ringing her up, and I have a trainee, so my trainee is standing next to me. I'm training another manager, and I was the only person available to be on register, so I'm ringing this woman up. She buys a scarf and a sweater. And she's like, can I have them bagged separately? Yeah, no problem. Well, first, she was, I was ringing up someone, and then there's one person in line, and then there's this woman. She goes, can you open another register? And I was like, okay, this person has one item. The, per- the next person has one item. I'm like, I'll be with you in under three minutes. I promise. I'm like, there's no one else available right now. They're on lunch. So I get, she got, comes up, finally, and I ring her up. And she said, can I have these bags separately? And I was like, yeah, no problem. So I put her sweater in one bag, and then I put her scarf in another bag. And I'm like, okay, here you go. And she's like, can I have bigger bags? And it's one of our policies. You have to put the items in the bag that fit it the tightest so that they can't stuff anything else in their bag on the way out. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, we have to give you the bag size that corresponds with the size of your items. She goes, I just spent $22 here. I want two bigger bags. And I laughed out loud in this woman's face. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. And at this point, there are two sales associates staring at the side of my face like, what's she going to do? What's she going to do? So I dump out her stuff and I pack it in two bigger bags and she snatches it off of me and she goes, I don't care how nasty you are to me. I'm still going to shop here. And I'm like, okay, my job is done here then. Have a nice day. She's walking out and uh, she's like, what the fuck is wrong with these people and I'm just constantly catching shoplifters and I get called a racist at least once a week which I think is really funny our, our staff is very diverse mm-hmm. and if I was uh, I'm not even gonna get into a racial debate it's just it's always hysterical this when it when I first started working there it used to really bother me because the scariest thing you can ever say to a white person is to call them racist like that's something that every white person is like oh my god am I a racist am I being a racist we have that that guilt but um, I've been dealing with it for so long working retail. I'm like, I don't, yep. I was like, I, I'm following you around because you're black and not because I saw you shove 30 necklaces down your pants. That's yeah. the reason I'm doing it. So that's always, that's always a blast. No, it's, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, from your retail experience, I'm sure you've dealt with it a lot too. Yeah, it's, I'm not afraid to get into this debate. It's just, you know, the reason why things like, racism and like social segregation and all that stuff exists is because people like that still act like that Mm -hmm. i know and i don't even know where to go from there (laughs) i have brought this conversation to a screeching halt um let's talk about how i just joined the gym again and i had to leave my former gym because i got ringworm all over my entire body that was cute 
Okay. So <laughs> I belong. I'm like I'm going insane because I have gained a lot of weight since I moved there, and a lot of it I think is due to stress eating. And Taco Bell breakfast. The Taco Bell breakfast, and my my mom lives with me, so I come home to a hot meal every day, so I don't have to fend for myself. Mm-hmm. So I just eat whatever's in the refrigerator because it's all delicious and like fried and bacon and fat and just like wrapped in cheese and ugh, my panties are getting wet just thinking about it. But um, <laughs> so I was going to the gym, and the gym in my neighborhood was pretty dirty looking, and. Um, the one day I got these bites on my neck, what I thought were bites, and I thought that I went to my boyfriend and I was like, I think your cat might have fleas. I have like flea bites all over my neck. And we waited a couple of days and then they started to expand and get bigger. And I was like, I don't think these are fleas. This looks like ringworm. And I was, I was a wrestler in high school. So I know what ringworm looks like because okay. every kid I've ever met has had it. So then it started to spread down my chest and on my stomach and on my back and everywhere. And I was covered in fungus for about six weeks. I was covering myself in tea tree oil and lotrimin twice a day to get rid of this crap. And it was it was so miserable. And I had to wear I had to wear scarves and long sleeves to work because it's so contagious. But I Jeez. couldn't I couldn't take time off of work because I had a trainee. So I was just like bundled up at work and then just like sweating. Bundled up. Don't touch me. Yeah, because I was. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm like a chubby girl, so I'm like a sweaty fuck to begin with. And then I'm like in a parka at work running around and being sweaty, so it was spreading even more. Um, but when I went to the doctor, we determined that somebody at the gym had used one of the towels and then put it back, like folded it and put it back, which is disgusting. So I'm jogging on the treadmill that day, and I grabbed the same towel, and I yeah. blotted around my neck and then down between my boobs because I was feeling a little swampy and that's, that's ex- it that's exactly where I got it and it was so bad that's real gross it was real gross I had jock itch on my tits yeah and which is wild because um my boyfriend and I never stopped having sex during the whole thing and he never got it I think he is immune I think that his greek skin repelled all of the all of the fungus because he was he was trying for a while trying to get it he was trying to get it he was like rubbing his wiener all over my boobs and it just wasn't happening well i'm glad that it didn't because that would have been terrible he wanted it (laughs) is that a thing ringworm fetish It, it might be maybe we should we should have recorded the whole thing i'm sure somebody's into that somebody's into everything there's a fetish for everything ugh so weird. Do you think ringworm fetish would be the weirdest fetish? What can you think of a weirder one? I have I had this friend when I lived in Atlantic City and she was a part-time dominatrix and she had a she had a client who all she had to do was put on rubber gloves and pull on his teeth. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, that is weird. I always anytime I start thinking about fetishes I'm always so much more intrigued by how people discover they have these fetishes more than the actual fetish. Like, somebody that's, like, into, like, getting shit on. Like, how do you figure out that you like (laughs) that? It's like, I want to know, like, I want to know the steps that lead up to that. Because I don't think it's as simple as just, like, a light bulb goes off in your head and you're like... Oh, I totally like getting shit on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, how do you break? How do you break into that? Do you... Yeah, how do you figure out that you like 
getting your teeth pulled with a rubber glove. Like, maybe that's a dentist thing. That could maybe be something weird. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Or, uh, or maybe... I was going to get into the ringworm fetish, but we made that up. That's not a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> At he, least I don't think so. I, I have um, an acquaintance I've made since I moved to Chicago. And he... I don't know whether it borders on, like, he likes to be humiliated. He likes to be sexually repressed. Like, he he wears um, a cage around his dick, so when he gets a boner, he it's, like, really painful wait, for wait, him. Wait, 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 a cage? He wears a cock cage. D- d- is that, Despite they... all my rage, I still have my cock in a cage. <laughs> a cock cage is a thing? It's a thing. You should look it up. I'm going to make a look note up. to look it up. Um, I'm writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> two days from now, I'm like, why do I have cock cage written on a piece of paper? But yeah, he his uh, his fiance has the key to this cage, so he can't even take it off if he wants to until she says it's okay to take it off, and then they have sex, and then he like puts it back on. How do you how do you discover that you like your cock being jabbed? So wait, he gets jabbed like inside the cage. There's like, aren't there like, like you can like like you can like. <laughs> you can, like poke at it like like a little animal in the zoo like well, I think hey, it, it makes it impossible to get a boner because it's it just like holds it in place so when it fills up it's like so it's like a chinese finger trap for your dick <laughs> <laughs> okay but how did he figure that out how did he start oh no really tight underwear maybe <laughs> we'll go with that i have no idea <laughs> It's a good question. I would like to, like... I need to find somebody that's, like, into fetish shit and talk to them. I think you should. I think it would be a really interesting conversation. Well, I probably know people that are into it. I need to find somebody that's willing to talk about it. We remember, um... You know Prez, obviously. Yeah. But he used to work for that porn company. Yeah. And he would bring me all of the... All the rejected porns that they're not allowed to sell. And there, there's, like, little post-it notes on the front of them as to why they can't sell these certain porns. Some of the stuff is hilarious, like, because um, you can't ship certain styles of pornography to, like, China or to the Middle East because they violate, like, peace treaties and all kinds of ridiculous <laughs> shit. So I feel like, I, yeah. <laughs> At some point in time, there was, like, a bunch of, like, governmental officials, like, deciding, like, what kind of pornography was okay and what <laughs> yeah. kind wasn't okay. Well, I, um... That's a meeting that happened. <laughs> For a while, uh, like through college, I was a marine pen pal, and I would send care packages each week to uh, this platoon in Afghanistan, or whatever they call it in the Marines. Is it still a platoon? I don't know if that's an army thing. I don't know terms. But uh, my friend Justin was a sergeant, and I would send him a huge package every single week of like CDs and DVDs and chocolate and candy and all kinds of stuff that they couldn't get, and then like porn so much porn i would send to the middle east and then once he came back he's like you know that you could have gotten in really really serious trouble for shipping all that porn to the middle east like you're not allowed to to do that stuff because it's against the law to have pornography where they were oh wow yeah so that was wild that's how i first learned about that he's like but we loved it we loved it (laughs) and they his whole his whole group sent me a christmas card that year that was nice. Yeah, they sent you a Christmas card, but they didn't tell you, like, hey, you shouldn't be sending this yeah. until way after the fact. Like, oh, by the way, you could have gotten a lot of trouble. <laughs> now, now that I'm back, just yeah. wanted to let you know. You know. I used to go to the porn store and buy all, like, the clearance, all the clearance, like, magazines and um, 
and videos. Like, this stuff is, like, $3 because it's been sitting there for six years. And I would just scoop all that up and throw it in a box and just send it to Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for me. It's for Afghanistan. Yeah. I walk out with, like, <laughs> like, porn, like, tumbling out of my hands. I'm walking, like, um... Like, Gus Gus and Cinderella, like, trying yeah. to hold the stack of cheese, and it's, like, flying everywhere. Porn stores are weird. It's... I'm glad that they still exist. They, uh, they outlived Blockbusters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Blockbuster for a while. I did, too. This is the worst company ever. I liked... I mean, I worked there when I was, like, 17, 18, so working for a shitty company is, like, fun when you're that young. Yeah. Because I was, like, 18 and they gave me a key. Like, you're a manager now. <laughs> I was like, shit, yeah! At the time, I was making, like, $8 an hour, which seemed like so much money. Because, you know, I was 17 the minimum wage was still, like, five-something. $5. Yeah, so I was like, oh, man, I'm rolling! <laughs> I worked at the Blockbuster. I just moved to uh, Boston for college. And I worked at the Blockbuster on Massachusetts Avenue. And every Friday, the same guy would come in and steal our end cap of the new release DVDs every single Friday. <laughs> and um, What was his technique? He would just walk in and take them and walk right back out. So we called the police and we would ask for the police to be there on Fridays. And they're like, this is downtown Boston. We have way more important things to worry about than you getting DVDs stolen. They're like, move them further into the store. So the one time my manager tried to stop this guy and he pulled a knife on her and that I quit shortly after. I was like, I'm not dealing with this because I had to walk home at two o'clock in the morning after you clean that place up because they don't close until midnight or one. Yeah, yeah. That was spooky. Boston is sweet though. Have you ever been? Mm-mm. I want to go. You should go in the summer sometime. It's, it's on my beautiful. checklist. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. A lot to do. A lot to see. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a blast. I love it there. I miss it a lot. What's your favorite thing about Boston? Um, my favorite thing about Boston, I like just walking the city. Um, I hear it's really nice. My, my favorite route to take, I would start, I went, I went to Berkeley and it's, uh, right on the corner of Massachusetts and Boylston. So I would walk, uh, and Newberry Street is, um, like the big shopping street Mm -hmm. there. So I would walk from one end of Newberry Street to the other. And it starts with like record stores and little boutiques and stuff and the far end of Newberry Street is all luxury brands it's all like your your Gucci's and your Valentino mm-hmm. crazy designer stuff where there's a guard at every door and then after that you walk into the Boston Common and the gardens and it's just filled with like flowers and big green grass and ponds and it's really pretty and then you keep going from there and you walk through downtown crossing which is another like hustle bustle shopping area and then if you keep going from there you walk through the financial district and if you keep going from there you walk through the italian area and then if you keep going from there you hit the water um and the, the aquarium's right there and that's like my favorite thing to do is is walk down there and the aquarium is super nice and i like aquariums i got to kiss a seal there that was cool oh. not like not like heidi klum and seal but like a like a sea mammal <laughs> there wasn't some black scarred man at the aquarium <laughs> he just started kissing <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's happened, but this, this is not the instance that I'm talking about. Let's talk about Berkeley. Okay. Since um, you mentioned your bachelor's degree earlier. Yeah, I, I went to Berkeley for music. I am a, I'm a professional flute player and uh, majored in music business management and entrepreneurship. It was cool. It was a cool experience. It was um, really expensive. Um, you finished? I finished. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of like the 14 people (laughs) in the world that's graduated from Berkeley, which is cool. (laughs) I guess. I think I just really like torture 
Because that's what it felt like most of the time. Oh, now we're getting back into fetish stuff. A, maybe that's my fetish. <laughs> yeah. I like to be choked out by a trombone slide. Uh, okay. It's why I'm into ska music. <laughs> <laughs> Berkeley. Getting Berkeley. Back on track. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted. But yeah, I, I moved there right after high school and... I immediately started promoting shows. Cause I, I, I was a concert promoter from the time I was like 13. I, I used that very loosely. I would do shows at community centers and um, a couple shows at like Laga and places like that, but mostly community centers. And my township gave me a room where I was doing shows like three, four, five nights a week during the summer. And they said... It's a lot of shows. Yeah. If you charge $5 for these shows, we'll give you this room for free because it gives the kids a place to go. So we did a ton of shows. Um, so I moved to, to Boston and I wasn't really fulfilled by the college life. So I started promoting shows there and getting really involved in their music scene. And that's where I've met some of my closest friends. I've toured with a lot of bands from there and a lot of them are still really active in one way or another in the music scene. And I feel like that's where I really got my, um, experience and my love for, for touring and, um, helping people out. I view bands as like... When you, when you tour manage a band, it's like babysitting a bunch of grown men mm-hmm. and wrangling cats. Like, they all want to do their own thing, and they don't have their eyes on, like, the, the common goal. Like, you need to be here at this time. They all want to be on be... vacation. Yeah. it's I, I remember you talking about that in, your, in yeah. your, your last one. Like, touring is not vacation. If you're in a touring band, it's your job, mm-hmm. and you're a brand. You need to represent your brand in the proper way, or no one's going to take you seriously, and you're going to be gone in a year. But the bands I worked with up there, thankfully, were all really great. And um, they've, they've all toured internationally, and most of them are still really active. I'm going on Warp Tour with one of them this summer, and I'm riding in their bus. They're one of the bands um, highlighting the Monster Energy stage this year. So that's cool. And um, as far as Warp Tour, we just got funded. I, work for, I also work for a nonprofit, mm-hmm. and uh, we do suicide prevention through music outreach. And uh, in the city of Chicago, we we go into the schools and we work with developmentally challenged and disabled and um, emotionally challenged students, and we teach them how to write and record music using uh, TuneTrack. You familiar with that no, program? No, no, no. It's a uh, it's like a like a sequencing and yeah, recording okay. program, and we teach them how to use that and how to write songs and how to um, just to give them a creative outlet to a day that's, that's awesome. normally very structured. And, yeah. Um, we work with the Boys and Girls Club, and um, this summer on Warp Tour, we are we're doing outreach with the kiddos. We're also um, like sponsoring a couple of bands. We're doing all their signings, and uh, we're also shooting a documentary with all the bands on Warp Tour about um, how suicide has affected them. Because suicide is a really serious thing, and it, the topic itself makes a lot of people really uneasy. But I think it's important to get the conversation started because everyone has been touched by it in some way or another, whether it's themselves or a friend or a family member, and uh, no one ever wants to talk about it. And you never really know um, how much your words or a, a small action can have a huge effect on someone else's life. So it's all about treating everyone. Just just be nice to everyone. Yeah. You know, like there's no need to be a shithead ever. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything <laughs> at all. Yeah, I think that a lot of people that need that kind of help are really just need like like-minded good solid people in their life to like feel less alone yeah. it's real easy to like feel like that you can have all the friends in the world but you can still be like still depressed feel or feel alone for whatever reason but there's you know other people out there that 
there's help. I know. I know. And it, it and it is, it's a difficult thing to talk about for sure. It is. But, yeah. Um, but there are so many, think about how many times you've thought or maybe one of your friends said, oh, this such and such a band saved my life. And it's because people tend to really cling on to music and creativity and artistry and because they see a lot of themselves in what's happening. So we're trying to make that the bands and, and ourselves a lot more accessible to, yeah, these, yeah. to these kids. Yeah, yeah. For a lot of people that, like, are going through some shit but, like, don't have a voice, it's like... Mm-hmm. A band or like a song could be like their voice, yeah. And it's like that, you know. It's like I relate to this so much, you know. And I mean, I went through it when I was younger. Like you know, I was in seventh grade. Like man, the Stain CD is really speaking to me. <laughs> and it's it's like ridiculous saying it now, but like at the time, it was just like, like holy shit, like this. I get this. So Stain was the band that really like shaped. Not really. It's yeah. just like this is the first thing that I thought of. No, I definitely did like relate to it at the time. Yeah. But. Mine was the Ataris. I loved the band the Ataris. And um I've I've heard it a million times, but you can't you can't get close to your idols because you realize that they're human and they're shitty. Yeah. So I no longer listen to the Ataris at all because one of my friends was their drummer and if you've seen the video floating around the internet, the singer of the Ataris threw uh, drums at my friend because he's a psycho. So, uh, so that's a bummer. So I no longer listen to that band, but they were like my favorite <laughs> band growing up. But now I really love Lesson G because I'm a huge nerd. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's a problem getting to know some people too much, like people in bands that I like, and they mm-hmm. end up being just like terrible people or whatever. It's just, it's a bummer. <laughs> What are you working on musically right now? I saw that you and, um, I saw that Team Best just released something. Yes. And that was a blast. That was fun. What do you have next with, with the, all your musical things? Um, I'm writing a new Sykes album. That's awesome. I love Sykes. Thanks. Yeah. We have, well, I have like nine songs I'm trying to get to 10. <laughs> and then we're going to record it and I'm going to put it out and, you know. 20 people will listen to it and I'll play oh, some shows it. and it'll be cool. <laughs> so there's that. And that's really about it. Me and Jasmine are working on team best stuff. Um, me and Dex are occasionally writing metal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the old fears thing is going slow. We have an album's worth of stuff that we've been trying to record for the past four months. We just can't get anybody on schedule to mm-hmm. do anything because adult adult stuff. Yeah. The older <laughs> you get, the harder this shit gets Mm -hmm. unless like you know every it's i guess (laughs) when you're uh when you're younger it's like oh man i want to i want to find these people and bands that are responsible i gotta like work with responsible people but as you get older now it's like fuck i have to find some people that aren't responsible (laughs) because everybody's too responsible and i want somebody that's willing to put a band before anything it's like i've crossed that line it's like once you're past 25 it's like it changes. Everybody's getting married and having kids. Yeah. And you just want to play some shows, man. That's like a really weird epiphany that I just had, like right there, live. I never thought about that before. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. That's definitely the problem right now, is that everybody I know is, they're too they're too grounded in reality. It's tough, I need man. some psychopaths that are Maybe still willing to- Maybe you turn to the Juggalo community. You can yeah. work with some of them. Some punk rock Juggalos that want to- yes. 
make some noise. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Um, so uh, I remember when you when you released your record, like the physical record, mm-hmm. what made you decide to do like all the little extras you had thrown in there? Because I thought that was so cool to have all of like the physicality of like a piece of the, the wallpaper and everything. I thought that was amazing. Would you ever consider doing that again? Yeah, I plan on doing another album. I'm recording it. I want to get it pressed. I have much more, like, with where I work now, I have resources to, like, Mm -hmm. really get it done. But as far as the packaging goes, I have no idea how I'm going to, like, top it. Mm -hmm. The reason why I did that was because I collect records, and I know whenever an artist takes an extra step to, like, make something really cool, it means a lot to me. Because I hate paying 20 bucks for a record, and it's just, like a boring printed sleeve with a record there's not even like an insert or anything with it Mm -hmm. some of the like coolest records i have are things that like they're like these ridiculous packages that people don't even realize that you can get with vinyl like the sleigh bells album comes with like a little composition notebook that has like all of the lyrics in it like handwritten like a toddler with like all these like weird drawings and stuff that's so cool and there's a ton of other things like uh don't want to get into like but there's a lot of awesome packaging ideas that other artists have it's done it's like a coffee table book that turns into a coffee table yeah i just <laughs> i just want to uh have i don't know just like want to make something cool something so because i you know i like doing art and creative mm-hmm. things outside of music but i don't find much time i know i have to two do of those your pieces things. in my room yes you do i do whenever i like release an album i try to just like make a ton of things happen with it, I guess. You'll do it. Yeah. You're the most I, creative person I know. You'll figure it out. I'm working <laughs> no on pressure. it. No <laughs> pressure. I'm going <laughs> to finish the album first, and then I'll figure out how I want to package it. I have some ideas, but no spoilers. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I know. So I turned. I completely turned this around on you. You did. I'm good at that. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to do, I was. I wanted to make a, a witty remark once you were done talking about all of the stuff that you've been doing and ask you what you do in your free time. <laughs> um, well, in my free time, um, I don't, I don't really have a lot of free time. I hang out with my boyfriend and I watch Game of Thrones. And Never I, watched it. No, oh my God. Is it good? I hear it's good. I everybody love it. Everybody that watches is like, oh my God, it's so good. And I'm just not ready to make this commitment. Well, I read, I'm I'm reading the fifth book right now. Okay. And it's, okay, every episode you're guaranteed to see someone get beheaded, someone get run through with a sword, and so many tits. Like, there's so much nudity in this show. <laughs> you're aware I live in Southside now. Let's just walk it <laughs> home. I see that. <laughs> yeah, what up with uh, all the permit parking? There's nowhere to park down here anymore. It was wild. I went out yesterday. I'm like, I can't park any of these places. Yeah, they rallied. The, Good for them, The natives man. were fed up. I mean, I'm if, if I lived down here, I would be bummed out that I couldn't park either. But then again, I wouldn't choose to live in the middle of the college bar scene either. So, I see both sides of the argument. Um, let's see, free time? No, I don't have any. I don't think I've... I've never been bored in my life. And I feel like you probably share that, that yeah. same sort of mentality. No, um, I, I keep finding stupid things to ruin any chance of me ever having free time. 
Yes. Such as this podcast. It's completely unnecessary. I don't know why the fuck <laughs> I'm even doing this. It's so much work. It's so much more work than I ever thought it would be. Yeah? Yeah. Just talking to somebody? Yeah. And then promoting it, and yeah. then finding guests. Well, the thing that takes the longest, actually, is editing the episodes. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if I look, because I will go for a while, and then I try to trim it down to an hour, and I try to cut out anything that maybe shouldn't have been said, or, uh, 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 yeah, stuff like yeah. that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, just, and it's really, really time-consuming, you know? Yeah, it's know. like, if you say, like, you know, recording an episode, like, an hour and a half to two hours mm-hmm. there, it probably takes easily another four hours just to edit it wow and then if you add it's like a full works day for each episode you're a wild man how do you i think i've asked you this before but i wasn't 100 percent satisfied with the answer so i'm gonna ask you again okay how do you um how do you stay motivated and create like you're so creative but how do you stay motivated to continuously like do things and put out things and because it's so much easier to stay in bed how do you do it uh it's just i have a if i'm not doing anything i like get in a bad mood if i feel like i'm wasting time like i have a really hard time just like sitting down to even watch a movie that's why i you know i was i went and saw grand budapest hotel Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago and it was great but afterwards i like felt guilty it's like i could have been working on something for the past three hours i don't know what it is or why i'm like this it's just i once i like started drawing when i was younger it's i would just always draw i don't know i don't really have an answer for it it's just if i do if i start doing something i'm like obsessive over it and Mm -hmm. i don't like to stop something until it's done i get anxiety when i'm not doing something yeah i don't like and that's the thing is i don't really do it for I think it's just, like, selfish. I just like doing it. I don't, like, really get any, like, monetary gain from anything I do right. or, uh, you know. It's... That's what your day job's for. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just what I like doing. It's what I do. I feel like if I if I stopped doing it, I don't know what I would do. Cool. What else would I do? I guess I could do nothing. It would be easier. Ugh. I wouldn't like that. I wouldn't like it if you did nothing. I, I enjoy seeing you put out things and always working. I like it. I mean, I was in San Francisco editing podcasts. <laughs> and, you know, Jasmine's like, you know, let's do something. It's like, I gotta work on this. <laughs> you know, it's like I can't. My vacations aren't even really vacations, you know. I spent half of it still in front of a computer working on stuff. Mm-hmm. I get that. I've been trying... I've been trying really hard. Um, my New Year's resolutions, I had three of them. That's what, a lot. One was to learn how to change my own oil in my car, which I have not done yet. Okay, you still um, have half a year. I know. Uh, number two was to write in my blog more. Because I have a blog, but I haven't written in it in forever. That's another thing I tried doing. Yeah. I, I remember you, you posted a couple of things, and... Um, I just, I don't know where, do you have extra hours in your day? Like, do do you run on, like, a 29-hour day? (laughs) No, the blog things, what I was doing was I was, like, writing them at work during Mm -hmm. downtime, like, on my phone. Mm. And then, like, I would, like, come home or I'd, like, scribble ideas down, like, in a notebook. 
I there was one night where like I got really stressed out just thinking about kind of uh all the work that I do and how sometimes it feels like it doesn't pay off and blah 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 whatever that means self-loathing bullshit but like I stayed up I couldn't sleep and I just like wrote in this book like this entire I like wrote out the entire blog post and the next day I read it I was like hey this is pretty good and I was like typed it up and made it make a little bit more sense and then that was that for that day that's cool so i don't know some nights i just don't sleep i guess or i just am good at multitasking yeah you know if i'm doing something really mundane at work i'll like try to find a way that i can get some messages out to people that i need to or work on some song lyrics or i don't know my brain's always going it's always in a couple different places at once it's not exhausting yeah yeah i don't know how to relax I get that. I I, prob- I share that. This is probably the only relaxing thing that I'm gonna do all day. Is this. <laughs> like I said, like I said earlier, I'm going to go see my friend wrestle tonight. Yeah. And it's like, I really want to go see him. It'd be fun, but it's still like. But you're gonna be thinking I about. I should really just not do that, and I should really stay here and work on stuff and blah blah. It's always. It's crazy. And who knows if I'm actually gonna go or not? Time will tell. We'll see. You should go. You should go. I should go. It'd be something cool. It could be. It, at the very least, you'll get a story out of it. Something else you can write about. That's what I was doing internet dating for a while, and I would jot down notes from like all my like fucked up weird internet dates. So <laughs> hopefully, yeah, my blog can be called the Twelve Dates of Xmas. And it'll be, oh, that's whew. that would be like a good movie. Maybe to get picked up for a pilot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and my third resolution was to do one open mic stand-up comedy night. Okay. So I, like, jot down little um, like little things that I think could be funny, and then I go back and write jokes, and I have, like, maybe five minutes of material, but... Stand-up comedy seems like it's really intimidating. I've been talking yeah, about this a lot. Yeah, you talked about it in the last, in yeah. the last podcast. Yeah, I, uh, it's something terrifying because it's just you up there, and what you think is funny is probably not that funny. So, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I need to be knocked down off my pedestal a little bit anyway. So maybe it's the wake-up call I need. I don't know. I think that, like, personality over material is what's, like, really, really important when it comes to stand-up comedy. I think that it doesn't really matter. I mean, I guess it matters what you're talking about to some extent. But Mm -hmm. if you deliver it with the right personality, that's what makes it funny or makes you connect with people. Because somebody could be saying something that's, it could be really funny, but if the delivery's off or if their presence is just awkward or unconfident, then it's not going to be funny. Like, it won't have that same punch. I feel like there's this art to stand-up comedy that has a lot to do with, like, tone and cadence and how things are presented. Yeah. It's really, really... It's cool. It's but I I would never want to do it. Fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> nah, I want to do it once. And the... Chicago is like a huge stand up uh, community, so it's it's um maybe I'll come back to Pittsburgh and try it here first. Yeah, I know that it's getting really big here too. I know, I know a, a lot few of, people that are getting into it. Yeah, there are a lot of comedy open mics around here now. And um, what actually got me thinking about it was I went when I lived here. I went on an internet date with uh, someone who does stand up comedy for a living in pittsburgh and he um was he funny he was pretty funny he's like a weirdo he's like a self-loathing weirdo but he was funny to hang out with he's not someone that i would ever like 
I would have never gone on another date with him, but we, we like, remained in contact, and we're friends now, and I, I think he's really funny, but he kind of inspired me that if, if your fucking smelly fat ass can do this, I feel like I can yeah get some people to laugh at me one way or another. Yeah. No, <laughs> if, if it's something that you're passionate about and you want to do it, you should do it. What's stopping you? I'll give her a shot. You can, like, work the flute into your set <laughs> and if that all goes south i'll just yep give it the old check the oil and i feel like people would at least be shocked they'd at least be talking about it uh-huh <laughs> that's gross shock value that's another fetish for another day <laughs> flute fetish <gasps> so the future i don't know you think you're gonna be in chicago for a while it I seems like you, you uh you hop around a lot I do. Um, I was in Pittsburgh for three years this last time. Like, I grew up here, and then I moved away, and then I moved up and down the East Coast and moved yeah. back, and I was here for a little while, but I moved to Chicago for the job and for promotion, and um, they are kind of dragging their feet about it a little bit, but I am assured that within the next few months I'll be where I want to be, but who knows? Like, I'm, I'm working on, I have a very nice relationship, and you know, I'm optimistic about what the future holds for that and working on this, the nonprofit stuff that's based out of Chicago. Yeah. So I like being able to use the office there. And um, what I would love is for the nonprofit to get some national funding so that I could leave my retail job and, and work with the nonprofit full time because that's something that I'm very passionate about. Do you think that's a possibility? About. Yeah, I think so. Not, not in the near future, but I think five years down the line maybe, but... I really, this is one time in my life where I, like, I'm very, I know what my next step is all the time, all the time, all the time, and I think it's one of the things that's causing me so much stress in Chicago is I don't know what's, what comes next, and, um, it's stressful, but it's also a little exciting because I am, I'm not afraid to take, like, these little risks here and there because, I don't know, maybe one of them might work out, and if it doesn't, who the fuck cares? Just go to sleep, wake up, it's another day. It's probably um, not a terrible thing to step outside of your comfort zone and not kind of know what's happening. I think that's a problem with me, as I always have everything so meticulously planned mm-hmm. out that it kind of, uh, in a way, I'm stopping myself from doing certain things that or experiencing some things because I'm like, well, I have too much going on here. This is going to be happening. That's going to be happening. So I don't want to focus on like booking a tour because, you know, this or that and then. But. Yeah, I understand that. I feel like um, that's that's one of the reasons that I chose to leave Pittsburgh is I felt I felt very almost trapped in my day to day life here, and um, I had so many expectations from other people like, oh, you should be doing this, or you should be doing this, or you should be doing shows, or you should be doing events, or um, and so many people counted on me for things that I was being pulled in a hundred directions at once, and I felt um, like I love helping my friends, and I would do anything to help my friends, but I felt. I felt almost like I was being taken advantage of from time to time. Sure. And um, I have a hard time telling people, no, I can't do that for you. And I'm not like that anymore. <laughs> now that I'm gone, there's this new group of people who's like, nope, not available, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, you, gotta, you got to start with a, a clean slate in yeah. some ways. Yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. But, you know, it was, it was uh, pretty lonely in the beginning, and I was just dealing with my mom. And But... Things are definitely looking up, and I'm really optimistic, and I think this summer, like, the really cool thing about Chicago in the summer is there's a street festival every single day in the summer, so there's always something to do, and there's tons of concerts, and it'll be fun, I think. This winter was a little brutal, so. That's cool. Uh, yeah, man. Of, Future for you. I don't know. 
I'm gonna keep <laughs> I'm gonna keep creating stuff. Cool. And I think I'm gonna probably be at this job for a while, and you know, I'll probably still be with Jasmine. I would assume. Mm-hmm. No, no problems there. She's so lovely. Everything's like pretty solid on my end. I really, you know, I'm pretty happy with everything. If things pick up or if I do something creative and somebody likes it enough to, you know, maybe help me show some other people, that'd be awesome. <laughs> if not, whatever. I mean, I do all the creative stuff I do is mainly selfish. I just like doing it for me and some other people enjoy it. And awesome. And that's awesome. Uh, if, if it does happen, if, if something huge does happen, you're going to be like, oh, that's a surprise and amazing. Yeah. So that's about it for me i'm just gonna keep doing that that's all (laughs) i can really say i don't know all right well thank you so much for having me on i'm a big fan of the podcast and i was really excited i think you're the only listener thank you (laughs) (laughs) so i doubt are you gonna listen to your own episode i don't know if i can i'll i'll make nick listen to it for me and give me the highlights okay i hate my recorded voice Ugh. if you want i can like change your voice (laughs) we could like make you like sound like real like (laughs) or like i could do whatever you can make me sound like a witness protection person yeah (laughs) whenever i put up the episode uh like i'll blur out your face and you'll just be like a mystery guest and anybody that guesses who it is gets like a prize That'd be so funny. That's actually a really funny idea. (laughs) All right, so back on track. Thank you for coming here. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming. I hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Pittsburgh. Thank you. I'm glad I didn't have to come out to Chicago to do this, but I would have. I know you would have, and you you should. You should come visit. Yeah, me and Jasmine have been blabbing about wanting to go out to Chicago, so. It's It's a really, really awesome place to visit. There's tons of cool shops and tons to do, and the food is the best. Every meal I have there is the best meal I've ever had. That would be awesome, because all we really like to do is eat. Yes. So. Come visit. You always have a place to stay. I had Chicago pizza once when I was living with Steve. He flew back and brought me pizza on the airplane. It was like he brought it back to me and it was like all smushed. (laughs) (laughs) But I heated it up in the oven and it was awesome. (laughs) It didn't look much like a pizza. It was just like this mound of cheese and bread and sauce, but it was really good. good. Big fan. Big fan. All right. Well, I'm a big fan of you. Oh, I'm a big fan of you. You're a very nice, positive spirit. If (laughs) If there was more people like you. The world would be a much brighter place. I'm going to slam you so hard. <laughs> trying to think of the cheesiest thing to say without I think, laughing. I think you nailed it. I'm just going to end it like that really awkward. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks. Thank you. And that's all, folks. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Christmas is one of the best people I've ever met. I can't really say enough nice things about her, and it's a bummer that she isn't in Pittsburgh anymore. But honestly, you know, our schedules have always been so hectic that I'm sure I'd only see her, like, twice a year anyways, regardless if she lived six minutes away or six hours away. Um, really glad everything's working out for her in Chicago, and I'm sure I'm gonna see her again sooner than later, you know? 
We're not that far apart. Anyways, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. And yes, I will be back next week with another episode. Still doing this shit. We ain't stopping anytime soon. Lots of cool stuff lined up in the future. Because I am Sykes. Start the Beat Podcast. 2014. Whoop. Woo. Thanks for listening.